I hate seeing myself on camera. Okay, whenever he goes live, he goes live. Um, now tomorrow there is a round table. I know it's a busy day because it's a lot of preparation being done tomorrow. Uh, but it will be a, a starting quarter after 12 with a little bit of worship. And we're going to talk about the possibilities of what happened with Jesus when he was in the grave Saturday. Okay? Because we know he died on Friday, correct? Was put in um, the cave, Joseph of Arimathea's cave, right? And uh, then we know he was resurrected on Sunday. Uh, but we don't really know what happened on Saturday. So we're going to look at a few options. Uh, I'm not sure if there's a real easy answer for it. I certainly don't have it. We'll see what Pastor Fuji says. Um, but it's, uh, it's intriguing. There are several possibilities. So uh, that's on tap for tomorrow. And, uh, and don't forget that Sunday morning we'll be doing our Sunrise at Bayfront, uh, 6 o'clock. Uh, if you are a little bit late, that'll be okay, too. I mean, that's, uh, listen, 6 o'clock, the birds start to sing. That's all I can tell you. Drink coffee, dress warmly. Supposed to be a beautiful day. Uh, well, cold in the morning, then it's supposed to go up to 81. Really? Yeah, on Sunday. So it'll be cold in the morning, and then it's going to get warm real quick. But uh, bundle up, because I don't know how bad the wind might be or anything like that. Um, we have a, a, a nice service plan. Hopefully you can make it. And then no Sunday school this week. On uh, Sunday morning, 1030, we'll have our praise service here. And I hope you can make that too. Uh, just to give you a heads up, we're going to be talking about um, the resurrected Christ. After all, he is resurrected, right? You know, sometimes I feel we put him back in the grave and raise him again and put him back. No, no, he's resurrected. We just remember back and forth. And I'll be talking to you about the resurrected Christ from Revelation chapter 1 and see what God would show us through that. There will be men's group this week. Amen. Now, I was just trying to stop him from doing that, but uh, there'll, uh, there'll be the regular prayer meeting. Uh, and men's group, 7 o'clock this week. And um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I missed. Uh, ladies, uh, there's a, a spiritual retreat coming up. It's excellent. Uh, I know seating's limited. If you want, uh, there still might be a couple of seats available. Sign-ups on the board over there. Uh, and I think that's it. I think we're ready to roll. So we, you know, we come together... Uh, on, on what we call this Good Friday. and Why do you think we call it Good Friday? Why? Certainly it was a dismal day for the disciples, right? Why do we call it Good Friday? Our salvation. Our salvation was made complete, right? The good that Christ did. And the good that Christ did for us he had to take on our sin and endure the wrath of God in our place. And so we, we look at Good Friday. If you, I know you can't see the cross from where you are, but it's on that wall. And it's robed in purple for, for royalty, and there's a crown of thorns on it. Um, 
I don't know if any of you ever had a, a, an injury to your scalp, but they hurt and they bleed like crazy, don't they? So when Jesus was being mocked by the soldiers and they put a, a scarlet robe on him, they, they crowned him with a crown of thorns and they pushed it down. Can you imagine? It's horrible, right? It's all part of what happened on Good Friday. And so what we're going to do is we're going to um, bring you through a series of songs. And um, the focus of the songs uh, is twofold. Well, threefold. Uh, we're going we're to look at the, the old rugged cross. How many of you know that? All right. I mean, we're going to look at, uh, uh, Melissa's still back there. We had a little bit of a problem with it before, but we're okay now. Uh, we're going to look at the cross, and then we'll, we'll talk about what happened on the cross more specifically later. And the fact that on the cross, when Jesus gave up his spirit voluntarily, by the way, to the Father, he paid it all. Once for all. And then we're going to praise how great our God is, that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die. I scarce can take it in. And then we're going to praise our Savior. Hallelujah, what a Savior. And so uh, that'll be the progression. I'll introduce each song to you. So I'm going to ask uh, our singers to come up. And um, when they come up, uh, we're not doing a collection today, by the way. We are doing communion. We're doing the Lord's table. Um, so that means we won't be doing it Sunday. Uh, so don't get nervous. I didn't forget the collection. We'll do it on Sunday. I didn't think today was the, the appropriate day for it. Uh, as, uh, as we get ready to sing, many years ago now, when, when I came to know the Lord, uh, I, the first time I heard this song was, was in the church where I, I, I trusted Christ. And this song always fascinated me. I don't, I don't know uh, if it fascinates you, but the old rugged cross, particularly the line in there that someday I'll exchange it for a crown. And that's because of Jesus, not because of me because of Jesus. So this is the day really we remember the cross of Christ. There were two other crosses that day, do you remember? Mm -hmm. Thieves. Both deserved it. Jesus did not. So I'm gonna ask you to stand, would you stand as we sing the old rugged cross?
bankrupt you don't even have money to pay for an apartment or a house let alone a car or any of the the toys that we like but somebody comes to you one day and says look we have a house for you and it's it's brand new and it's paid in full well, how would, what would you think? You would be doing cartwheels. Jesus paid it in full, not the house, but he paid in full the debt, the incredible, infinite debt that we could never repay to God for our rebellion. He paid it all. You know, in the scriptures, uh, in the original language, it's testeli, which means it's paid, it will remain paid, and it will forever be paid. It's a banking term. That's what the banks of Jesus' day used to do when a loan was paid. They would put testeli on it to indicate it's done once for all. Once for all. Some of you may have paid your mortgages off, right? Some of you may have paid cars off 
or some other loan. But how would you feel if somebody did it for you? Because they loved you. Jesus paid our infinite debt for sin on the cross. Right before he gave up his spirit, he said, it is finished. Would you sing, please? I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. personal relationship with Jesus Christ you are washed by his blood as white as snow let's never forget that that doesn't mean we're perfect what it does mean is positionally when God looks at us he doesn't look at us as sinners anymore he looks at us through the righteousness of Christ because we received him and why can he do that because Jesus took the full wrath of God for us and the moment we trust him, the Bible says that our sin is put to his account, Jesus' account. And then he gives to us his righteousness. Theologians call that the great transaction. And it's a marvelous thing. 
And when I think that God not sparing his son, he sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That plan of the Trinity, by the way, was agreed upon before the foundations of the world. And do you know before the foundations of the world, he knew all our names. He knew all of that already. But they agreed. I call it in the great committee meeting. It's Ephesians 1, by the way, if you ever want to look at it. In Ephesians 1, they, they had this meeting. And that's when they all agreed in love. That man was going to have a problem, a terminal disease called sin. And that although man waged war against God, God was going to provide the peace and the reconciliation and the forgiveness through the person and work of the Son of God. And so, let's rejoice in how great our God is. Thank you. 
The next song, uh, Hallelujah, What a Savior. Uh, again, it's, a, it's an old song. I don't know if it's older than I am or what, but it's an old song. Not much is. Yeah. <laughs> but when you consider, when you consider what Christ had to suffer here for us, there's nothing more that we can say than Hallelujah. Um, he literally endured hell for us on the cross. But even on the way to the cross, he was mocked, wasn't he? His beard was pulled. Pe people spit on him. Bible says he was flogged even prior to that to the bone. Many believe he was beyond recognition once he got to the cross. And that wasn't even the agony of the cross. Then they nailed my savior to the cross. And as painful as that was, that wasn't the agony of the cross. And then when they lifted him up, it says the crowd mocked him shouting, if you can save yourself, get down from there. And they kept taunting him. And so did the two criminals that were on either side of him. At least in that case, we know one came to his senses. Then there was darkness. Jesus was hung on the cross at nine in the morning. Darkness came over the, the world at noon. I don't think it was a, a eclipse because eclipses don't last three hours. I don't think you could explain it other than God shut the sun down. He created it. He could shut it down. But what that symbolized was the three hours that Christ endured the full wrath of God because at that point, Jesus became sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Huh. That's amazing. He endured the full wrath of God. And that wasn't even the, it's part of the agony of the cross, but not everything. The point where Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For the first time in all eternity, the relationship within the Trinity was disrupted. Because, not because of anything Jesus did, because of our sin. Jesus took our sin on 
And of course, a holy God cannot look on sin. And for that time, until three o'clock, when Jesus said, it is finished. There's a disruption in the relationship between the father and the son. That was the agony of the cross. Hmm. And he endured it for us. Let's sing hallelujah. What a savior. has got a lot of trouble don't we but he didn't give up on us he sent his son to stop the trouble oh thank you Andrew and that's amazing to me you know I thank God all the time I'm not God I wouldn't have the patience that that he showed us would you right he never gave up on us he sends his own son to die for us. In the um, 
the round table, we went carefully through the whole week and don't have time to do that with you tonight, but I want to review some of the highlights uh, of the round table and then we'll get into the scripture. Uh, you, I believe you, you all know uh, that Jesus had to die, correct? Why did he have to die? Somebody want to answer that? For sin. Could God have forgiven us any other way? Why? Why is that? He had to shed his blood. Not only that, he was the perfect sacrifice. He was both God and man, correct? And as man, he represented us, even though he never sinned, correct? And as God, he was the perfect lamb. And he was the only acceptable sacrifice. A lot of times when I talk to people about Easter and the resurrection and all, people will just say, oh, God could have just said to everybody, you're forgiven. Well, then you don't understand the holiness of God. Sin demands a penalty. Unfortunately, we live in a time where we have redefined sin. We redefined it much differently than the Bible defines it. And it doesn't need much definition. What sin is, is violating the known will of God. Isn't that true? Has anybody mastered not violating it? Not me. Not me, although with the Spirit's help and the Word, hopefully I make progress in that area. That's what the Bible calls sanctification. But we try to recreate God in our own image. To say, oh, God, you know, God's God. He could have done anything. No, God can never violate his holy character. All right? There's a great ordination question that uh, uh, ordination councils uh, will ask a candidate, and that is God, you know, God, Christ, the Holy Spirit, all of them are involved in creation. So is it possible for God to create a boulder that he can't lift? How would you answer that? Oh, I got silence. The answer to that is no. God doesn't violate his character. And if God would have just kind of pronounced everybody forgiven, he would have violated his own character because his holy character demands payment for sin, period. So we come to the cross. We come to the cross in a, uh, I mean, there's so many ways we could approach this. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick it up where Jesus um, said these words. Eli, Eli, lama sapakthani. That's Greek. And it means my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? That is the moment that he realized that he, be, he took on the sin of the world. What sin did he take on? Lying, cheating, murderer, uh, murder, fornication, you name it, he took it all on. 
Jesus took on the very thing he hated. Oh, I think we miss that sometimes. And the crowd that was there, this is from Matthew 45. Let me, uh, 27, starting at verse 45. Let me put it up here for you. Verse 47, it says, when some of those who were standing there heard this, they said he's calling Elijah. They misunderstood. Eloi and Elijah made the crowd have gotten you know, confused, but they thought he was calling he, uh, Elijah, and they missed the cry of the Savior because the Savior endured the full wrath of God. And look, look how they turn this. He's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran, and they got a sponge, and he filled it with wine vinegar uh, and put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. I don't know if you've ever had any experience with wine vinegar, but it will make you pucker for a week. It is not good. And they offered it to Jesus. Um, others, uh, the other Gospels say that he, he refused it. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. I mean, we, you talk about people being in the dark. They were looking for Jesus' next miracle. And you know what they were basing their trust in? The next miracle. And then the next miracle. And then the next miracle. Uh, the only way I can equate this to what we do is, well, this is the human condition that stems from our sinfulness. We're never happy with what we got. Isn't that true? I don't care if you're rich or poor. The only way we can be happy with what we got is if we understand it all comes from God and it's all his. But you get people like um, uh, Rockefeller, right? Uh, by the way, Rockefeller was the one that donated Ocean County Park. That's, that was his property. He was an oil, uh, uh, oil tycoon. Not only did he donate Ocean County Park, but he donated all the land for Route 70. That's why it's called the Rockefeller Highway, okay? He was, he, he was a man of, of considerable means. And a reporter, I forget if it was from Time or Life magazine, uh, asked him, uh, Mr. Rockefeller, when will you finally be happy? He said, after the next million. And, then, and, he, and the reporter said, and then? He said, well, then after the next million. And we chase after these things. Listen, I don't know if he realized it then, but he did get the message, and I'll tell you about that at one point. But I don't know if he ever got the message, you can't take it to the grave with you, right? Rockefeller used to uh, suffer from insomnia, and he used to stay awake at night wondering who was stealing from him. This is a true story. And I think he had a Scrooge experience, uh, to, to be honest with you. It dawned on him that he was holding on to something that was destroying him. 
You understand that? I mean, uh, and he had a change of heart. He said, let me do some good with this money. Then he became one of the biggest benefactors and philanthropists that history's ever seen. And he says from that night on, he never missed a wink of sleep. Whoa. These people who were crying out, these are probably some of the same people who were praising Jesus on the way in on Palm Sunday, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then seven, not even seven days later, they were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Because of bad expectations. In verse 50, it says, and with a loud, when Jesus heard, uh, when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Notice, he did it. He gave up his spirit. And the other gospel says, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. He voluntarily died for us. Paid the full wrath that we deserve in our place on the cross. One of the things we talked about in the um, roundtable today was, remember the, in, Jesus had six trials. I don't know if you know that prior to the cross. He had three religious trials, three civil tri uh, trials. And everybody's passing the buck to one another because they didn't know what to do with Jesus, especially the civil side of this. Uh, so when, when it got back to Pilate and he examined Jesus, he still found nothing wrong this man did because he didn't do anything wrong to deserve death. So he goes to the crowd and tells the crowd that. And they said, what would you have me to do with this man? And they said, crucify him. But he's innocent. Now, there was a custom on the Passover where the uh, governor, and that's what Pilate was, the governor, would release a Jewish prisoner as a show of good faith. So the high priests, the religious leaders, started to conspire with the people, the crowd, and whisper in the ear, tell them to re release Barabbas. Barabbas was someone who incited riots against the government and ultimately killed people doing it. So you have a true insurrectionist, and a murderer. Margie, you got that, I can tell. A true insurrectionist and a murderer. And Barabbas was guilty. Jesus was innocent. So Pilate says, I see nothing wrong with this man. Crucify him. Give us Barabbas. <laughs> and this is while Pilate's wife says, hey, I had these disturbing dreams. 
this man is innocent. Don't have anything to do with him. Well, a good husband should listen to their wife. He didn't. He was a politician. He would have been better off if he listened to his wife because he started to see the crowd get unruly and they kept yelling, crucify, crucify him. And, and what happened was Pilate didn't want Jesus' blood on his hands. So he kind of ceremonial washed his hands and he says to the, he says to the crowd, let his blood be on you and your children. Then he flogged Jesus again and gave him over to the religious people to be crucified. You know, I don't want to draw out the crucifixion too much here, but Rarely do we look at what happened right after Jesus died. I'm talking about immediately when he said, it is finished. There's three significant events that happen, and they're found in this passage. At the moment, what moment? The moment that Jesus gave his life into the Father's hands, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, you, you may, you know, we may think of curtains that are on our windows, and really a lot of them, are, they're nothing to tear, correct? But this curtain that's being talked about is the curtain in the temple that separates the Holy of Holies, which is the, the, the residence of God, if you will, and the holy place. And the only one that was allowed in there was the high priest once a year after he confessed his sins and the sins of the nation. By the way, that's what happens in Passover, okay? And he goes in with a rope tied around his waist and probably some bells because if he does anything wrong, the scripture says he'll die. And in case he dies, they have to have a way to pull him out. They can't go out go in and get them. This curtain was, Tommy, make a fist. It was thick as a man's fist. Heavy fabric. The moment Jesus gives up his life, this curtain was torn into cleanly from top to bottom. It said that the top of the curtain was at least 20 feet high. And just like anything else, I like to see how CNN or even Fox News would have explained that. Well, it was defective from Walmart. No, 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 that didn't happen. This, this was an act of God. Why? Because Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. Now, when we trust in him, we can go directly to the Father because of what he did to us. That moment was a threat to the priests. 
because now there was no longer a need for a priest. Isn't that right? We have full access to the Father 24-7. We don't need a third party anymore. It was torn. I think we take that for granted. And the reason why I think we take that for granted is because um, it, it kind of shows up in, in our prayer life. Uh, most Christians find it hard to pray. I do too. It takes discipline. And I, I really like the late Dr. Robert Cook, what he used to say. He used to say, uh, he called everybody beloved. He said, beloved, if you don't feel like praying, pray. And pray until you feel like praying. And I, that's good advice, right? Because pr prayer takes work. The curtain was torn top to bottom. Secondly, the earth shook. There was an earthquake. The rocks split and the tombs broke open. Can you imagine? Now listen, Jesus was crucified on the outskirts of the city, correct? On Golgotha, which is the, the hill of the skull, and the cemetery was right nearby, if you can call it a cemetery. Um, but the tombs broke open. And look at this. Imagine you being in the crowd and seeing this. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. What do you do with that? Why do you think this happened? Why do you think? Simply to point to the resurrection of Jesus. Because he conquered death. He conquered death. Now, who were these people? Um, they're called holy ones, right? Many holy people. Uh, we don't know. May, you know one, of the, one of the theories is that maybe they were the Old Testament saints who looked forward to the, cry, to the cross and the Messiah. That would make sense, I think. I think that's one good possibility. But whatever the possibility, these were, these were people who had faith in God looking forward to Christ. And at the moment Jesus died, they were raised to life. Now there's another odd thing here that we can look at. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection, and many went into the holy city and appeared uh, uh, to many people. And they came out of the tomb Saturday. Jesus resurrected when? Sunday morning. And they waited until Jesus was out of the tomb to go into the city. Why do you think? No. Say again? They smell. They smell? <laughs> no. <laughs> They, he, they, they waited because they wanted the people to make the connection that because Christ was raised to new life, that's what makes the resurrection possible for all of us who believe. And they didn't want to do it before the proclamation that the tomb was empty and Jesus lives. Well, there's a third thing that happens here. 
When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified. You know, if I saw somebody coming out of the grave, I think I'd be terrified too, right? They were terrified. But listen to this. This centurion and, and, and the, the other guards, they were probably some of the same soldiers who mocked Jesus, who spit on him and maybe put on uh, that royal robe and crowned him with the, uh, the crowns. And they make this proclamation, surely he was what? The son of God. They got it. The Pharisees didn't. The priest didn't. The centurion did. It's amazing. It really is amazing. It says many women were there watching from the distance. Listen, in all fairness, we're going to talk about this more at, at the sunrise. But uh, the women... Don't throw things at me, guys. The women got it faster than the men. How do we know that? Because they're the ones that stuck with Jesus right from the beginning. They were at the cross when everybody else deserted. Many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of uh, uh, Zebedee's sons. Wow. Let's not ignore what happened right at the moment Christ died, because it sets the stage for his resurrection. We don't we have access 24-7 to the Father. Nothing frustrates me more than trying to get in touch with somebody and leaving a message on a machine or it says press 2 for this or press 3 for this, then you get another recording that says press. No, we can go to the Father anytime. He's never too busy. That's a privilege. Writer of Hebrews says, you, we can go boldly before the throne of grace and find grace and mercy in our time of need. Why is that? Because the curtain was ripped top to bottom because Jesus paved the way for us to approach the throne. Let us not ignore that Jesus is the author and giver of life. Those bodies that were in the grave probably all decayed. Got a new body. And it came out. How many of you are looking forward to a new body? Right? I mean, can you imagine, for some of us who are older, you know, we have younger people here, but for some of us who are older, waking up without any aches or pains, right? You know, waking up with a full head of hair again. You know, waking up not having to worry about diet and cholesterol and, you know, all sorts of things. I mean, 
we, we, God gives us imagination for a reason. But that's all because of Jesus. He gives us forgiveness. When we trust him, he gives us new life. Starting the moment we believe. He'll give us a new body, right, when he comes back again. But he gives us new life. And he gives us new purpose. No one is beyond the salvation of Jesus Christ. Why can I say that? Jesus said it. Because the cross and the resurrection is the most documented event in human history for the whole world to say. We're going to uh, spend time around the Lord's table, and I won't keep you much longer. Um, any, any comments or questions before we go to the Lord's table? Yes. Yes. Unless they were translated like Elijah. I don't know. I mean, if they weren't, they died again. Right? Lazarus died again. Right? Um, so it's a true resurrection is where you don't die. Right? So we can call it a, a, a resuscitation. I, I don't know. Uh, but we don't know the end for these, right? If, it could be that God just took them to heaven after they showed themselves. I don't know. I don't know. But if, if not, then they died again at some point, right? When we get our new body, we will not, we'll never die. That's a resurrection, right? That's good. Any other questions, comments? Yes. Yeah, Yes. Right after the cross, right. Yes. Yes. Oh, did I? Dan's, Dan corrects me. It was Friday. Everything I said was Friday. Okay? So let's correct the record here. Thank you. Um, yeah, Friday. I inadvertently said Saturday. So he... No, no, no. No, no. We're talking about those who died, who trusted by faith in, in the Messiah. No. No. Yeah. And the reason why I know that is because there was another earthquake. So, correct. You got to. Oh, it's in all of the Gospels. Yeah. Um, you, you're going to preach for me Sunday morning? Oh, well, you never know. Be, be prepared. Well, we're, we're, we're going to look at the, the, the tomb, the fact that it's empty. Realize this, since Tom brings this up. Realize that the rock didn't have to be uh, moved. That tomb was empty before the rock was moved. Yeah, I mean, it was moved for our benefit, correct? But 
the resurrection already occurred. Jesus didn't need that rock moved to get out, all right? Because the grave couldn't contain him. And, I, and a lot of people, I think, get confused with that. Oh, yeah. Well, it was really, I think the Father, you know, and the Spirit were involved in, in doing that. But we'll talk more about that on, on Sunday. Any other questions or comments before we take communion? Communion is a sacred time. It, it, it is for those who have trusted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And um, Jesus instituted communion between, there, there are generally five cups to the Passover supper. Um, there's a cup of sanctification, the cup of uh, uh, deliverance, the cup of wrath, the cup of reconciliation, and then another cup was reserved for Elijah, should he come back. Jesus instituted the Lord's table between the cup of wrath and the cup of, the, of um, reconciliation. He did it purposely. And the reason why he did it purposely was to say that he was going to fulfill all the requirements that the Passover points to. He was the perfect Passover lamb. And he didn't want his disciples to, to forget that. So he takes the bread and he, you, you know, he distributes it and he says, this is my body that's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he takes the cup, which back then was wine, of course, right? And in the wine, you know, that cup of wine represented what? His blood. This is my blood, which is shed for what? You. And it's the blood that, of the new covenant. It's this blood that gives us forgiveness, that cleanses us from sin. And he didn't want the disciples ever to forget what happened at the cross. And he says, actually Paul says this part. He says, when you do this, do this often. And so I'm going to ask if I can have a couple of people to help serve communion. Oh, there's only one? Okay. He's bigger than I am. I'm not going to argue. Um, this is a time to examine ourselves. The, the Lord's table is for sinners like you and me, but sinners who know Christ. It is a chance where we can come and come clean. Right? Don't you, don't you wish you could, you know, how many times in school, how many of you were good students? Oh, good. There's a few. How many were not good students? I, 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 hey, listen, when a doctor raises his hand, I have to, I have to be careful here. Well, at least he's honest. You know, when I was, you know, when I was in an undergrad and then in graduate school, I was so glad we had semesters and in graduate school we had trimesters because everyone was a new start. Everyone was a new start, right? If you did poorly, you know, in, in this semester where you had a chance to, to make up for it in this semester. And 
Because of Jesus, we have a God who gives us new starts. But in order to take advantage of those new starts, we have to come and confess and repent of things that we know are against his will and have offended him. So the bread is given out. Um, let's just take a moment, if we can, and maybe, Sharon, you can play some music, and just reflect and use this time between us and Jesus to confess and repent. Thank you. Before we partake, let me just paint another picture for you. When Jesus died, you, you know that the disciples ran off even before he died because they thought they were going to be next. They went back to the upper room afraid, thinking that the, uh, the, the troops would come and take them away because they identified with Jesus Christ. This was a dark day for them. So was Saturday. And this is why it's so important for us to remember it may be dark on Friday, but Sunday's coming. Right? Why is Sunday coming? Because Jesus broke his body for us. And he said, this is my broken body. Eat it and remember me. Would you take of the bread, please? I'll ask that we distribute the cup. Would you hold the cup and we'll partake together?
scripture says without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin thanks Tom but this wasn't just anybody's blood (laughs) it was the blood of our savior he shed his blood blood is life isn't it he shed his blood and gave his life in place of you in place of me so we might know forgiveness Remember I talked about Barabbas before? That was the first visual lesson of Jesus paying the penalty for someone else's crime. Isn't that true? And the disciples still didn't get it. Jesus says, this is the blood of the new covenant. It's his blood. And he says, when you drink it, Drink it in remembrance of me. Would you drink, please? Andrew, there's a video there. I want you to put the volume up for that, please. And we should lower the lights. Tommy, can you help with the lights?
That was done by a, a great pastor from a, a black congregation, and uh, he's with the Lord now, but that has always moved me. That has always moved me. One of the reasons why I'm showing this to you is simply this. I think we would all agree that um, our, our country's in trouble, okay? Uh, in many ways, you know, morally especially in trouble. And I don't want us to lose heart because what this says, what the risen Christ says, is that God's still in control. No matter what happens, the disciples thought it was all over. Didn't they? Their, their Lord was dead. They thought it was all over. But Sunday proved that God had the last word. And he will have the last word. So don't get discouraged. I'm not saying we shouldn't be concerned. But realize that God is in control and in the meantime, he calls us to be obedient to him and spread the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask uh, the singers to come up. And we're going we're to end with uh, uh, a song that I think most of you know. Uh, it's called Worthy is the Lamb. It's the Hillsong um, rendition of this. Sing this prayerfully. And if you're able, would you stand, please? Thank you. 
As we close, I want to leave you with this one thought. If you were the only person on this earth, Jesus still would have come for you. That's how much he loves us. Never forget our great Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Let's pray. Father, we talked a lot about the cross, looked at the scriptures, but the bottom line in all of this is that the perfect Lamb of God went to the cross in my place to pay the penalty I deserve for my rebellion against you. And so, Father, as we remember in communion, as we remember throughout our days, would we leave here with even a greater assurance of how much you love us to send your son to die for us. That's amazing. And Father, I pray that when things get rough, like it did for the disciples on that Friday, we will know that Sunday's coming. Mm -hmm. And that Father, we look ahead with great anticipation to when Jesus comes again as a warrior as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Father, help us to glorify you in everything we do. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. Not bad. Let's do it one more time. All God's people said? Amen. Amen. Have a great night. Hope to see you some uh, on.